the Minnesota Vikings have selected Randy Moss. Well, before I get questions, man, I'd like to say some. Everybody, one clap. Oh, yeah, 84 jerseys out. I'm back home. Oh, yeah, 84 jerseys out. This is going to be a fun ride. This is going to be a fun ride. Everybody, one clap. I'm going to play what I want to play. play. Do what I want to do. Say what I want to say. say did I say anything stupid today? My role is to take the ball deep, take the top off the defense. Take the ball deep, take the top off the defense. If I can't get to it, nobody can't get to it. I don't shine shoes, I don't tape ankles, I don't cut checks. Great cash, homie. I don't shine shoes, I don't tape ankles, I don't cut checks. Great cash, homie. Everybody, one clap, one clap. One clap! One clap! Good evening and welcome again to the another episode of Fake Pigskin Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Asher Curzon, and with me this week, and alone with me this week, is Jeremy Hart. How are you doing, Jeremy? Oh, look at this. Look at this guy. Football is back! Yes! We have football, Asher. We have real we, football starting tomorrow. It's true. It's true. We got the little teaser last week with college. You know, we had we're done with the preseason. You know, Hard Knocks finished up last night. If you watch it, if you have, don't tell me how it ends. I haven't paid attention to cuts, so no spoilers. But <laughs> tomorrow night, it doesn't matter because tomorrow night we get some real football. Um, and so kind of in honor of that, we, we decided it would just be Jeremy and I. We, we kind of spoiled you all with with awesome guests this summer, and they're coming back, don't worry. Um, but tonight, tonight you get the two of us all to yourself. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it'll probably have a little bit more of a weekly redraft feel, um, but but let's do it. We, you know, what better way to celebrate the return of the NFL? And uh, we're coming up to Thursday night football, and so let's get right into it. We're going to have the Green Bay Packers, Asher, and the Seattle Seahawks squaring away on Thursday night. And uh, according to Vegas here, uh, the Seahawks are uh, coming in at a 5.5 lead here. And uh, overall, for fantasy production, it looks like there's 47 total points. Uh, for the over-under, we won't ask you which which you would take, Asher, the over-under. But So wh- what's your take on this game here? Uh, before we get into that, I'm just going to back you up. So explain to me, as, as I, I don't gamble and I don't really understand the betting lines. Do you find that that, that plays well in a fantasy? I, I have never used it before. Well, I'm not a gambling man, Asher, but if I were... Um, because fantasy football, as we know, all know, is, is um, not gambling. It's a game of sport, right? It's oh, a game. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. it, but yeah, I, a lot of the a lot of the folks that play a lot of daily, uh, the first thing, and I'm I'm trying to do a lot of research myself so I can really uh, dig into daily a little bit more this year as well. Um, but one of the first crutches, if you will, that everyone talks about is heading over to take a look at the game lines. Who's the favorite? Who's the underdog? And which games are you to expect a little bit more points? Um, Because apparently points are a good thing in fantasy football. Uh, So let's say you've got player A uh, who happens to be a favorite in a game, and you have player B who's an underdog in a different game. Um, But the favorite is also looking at uh, an over-under set at about 50 versus the underdog, their over-under is set at, say, 43. So player B, who you might be really high on, maybe he's coming off a couple good weeks, his team is destined to be playing catch-up, which, uh, you know, is a fallacy to think that, if you're playing catch-up, you're actually going to score more points in garbage, which could happen, but that basically means you're not going to score as many touchdowns. Um, but more so, you're just you, the game overall is going to be less scoring. So there's going to be a lesser likelihood of your particular player putting up more fantasy points versus the other guys. So it's really, for any of us looking to set a lineup on a weekly basis, Head over to Vegas, Bravada, um, you know, Bet Vegas lines, all that good and fun stuff, and at least take a look and, and at least help it guide you, um, you know, to what, what you want to do for the week. You know, maybe, maybe you want to feel it around a little bit, but at least uh, take a look because any and all information can only help. 
It's it's true. Um, I guess it's something I'll have to maybe maybe do a little experimenting this year. I mean, I, I traditionally am the, the kind of guy. I'm, I guess you could call me a fantasy hippie or mystic or what have you. I like to wake up Sunday mornings and have breakfast and then kind of feel my way through which players I think are going to have a have a good week. Um, that's just kind of the way I roll, but uh, definitely open to trying new things. I'll have to, have to take a look at it this year. Well, it's a good thing that... Um, never mind, I won't go there. You, you talked about waking up in the morning and, and feeling things, so I figured I'd just leave it there. Let's let's leave it at that. We're talking about grown men in tights. I think I think we all know where this is headed. Uh, <laughs> this is getting real awkward real quick, Asher. Well, let's get back to the game. Um, so tomorrow night, rematch from 2012. We'll have real refs tomorrow night. Um, what's your take on it, fantasy wise? Uh, are you expecting much of the same from Seattle? Uh, do you think they're going to be able to shut Rodgers down? I don't think anybody can shut Rodgers down. I think even the best defense, which is Seattle, is still going to maybe keep Rodgers from just completely busting off and keep him in his middle range. So, you know, I'd I'd still as a floor expect a couple passing touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers, maybe another one on the ground. If you have Aaron Rodgers, even against Seattle, uh, you're playing him because chances are it's not like you went out and you signed a back or you drafted a backup and you're going to think about putting him in. Uh, ahead of Aaron Rodgers I'm not the type of fantasy owner that's going to say always always play your studs Um, but also at the same time Aaron Rodgers isn't the guy I would ever ever advocate benching so Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine I think you know Jordy Nelson will be able to move around the field and and get his worth as well it's not like Richard Sherman's going to follow him around the field because we all know that he stays on one half of the field for the most part as well um, I am interested to see what Eddie Lacy can do in this game, Asher, because we know coming off of 2013, Seattle seemed to have a little bit of trouble with some of those bigger types of backs, um, and they looked a little bit weak on the inside. So it'll be interesting to see you know, if they were able to improve upon that. It, they really didn't have a lot of moves that, that would tell us that they're, they're going to be really good. So I think um, while Green Bay are you know 5.5 underdogs here I, I think the run game is going to be critical in the success to see if Green Bay can come out on top yeah and I think as far as from Seattle I you know we, we talked about it I think previously on, on, on an episode of the podcast um, you know just when you think you figured out Pete Carroll you know he he does a complete 180 and goes in the other direction so I think everybody expecting the ground and pound um, will be very surprised to see um, Russell Wilson utilized with a much more varied passing attack. I mean, you have Percy Harvin, you know, Paul Richardson is buried on their their depth, you know, wide receiver depth tar- charts as far as a dynasty stash. Um, but you've got Curse and um, Luke Wilson coming back from injury, and I, I really think that we're going to see a different Seattle offense. I could be wrong, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I think Lynch is going to get his touches, um, but I, I think the, pass, the playbook's going to be opened up, and, and we're going to see it tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I don't know how much Pete Carroll is going to unleash uh, in terms of Russell Wilson and unleash the beast. I, I know they cer- they certainly showed signs of it. Um, he has all of the ability in the world to, to take on more uh, as long as the coaching staff is willing to give him more. Um, because it's a Thursday night game on national TV, it, it's almost like a catch-22. Seattle can come out and just – unleash everything and make a real powerful statement on national television or they could play it a little bit reserved keep green bay off the field um and at the same time not necessarily give out their entire game plan to everybody on national television so i think i'm probably meeting somewhere in the middle there i i do think that russell wilson we started to see it in the last two weeks of the uh draft season as russell wilson was starting to creep very quickly up draft boards um it, but it's also interesting because everybody's still down on percy harvin and and we're still talking about russell wilson um being really great and very efficient and spreading the ball around but percy harvin looked damn good asher and And I think his injury and recency bias really have people probably a little bit too far down on Harvin. A couple years back, we were all, well, many of us were looking at Harvin as a better situation to find in Seattle versus Christian Ponder. So I, I think Percy Harvin is going to start out by proving that he was worth his ADP. 
I, I could not agree with you more. Uh, so let's let's kind of move on. We're going to try and get through uh, all 16 games, uh, give you a little preview of what we're expecting from fantasy players, uh, and then with a little a, a little bit of dynasty panache. Uh, well, let's talk Saints and Falcons. Uh, this one's at Atlanta. Um, what are you expecting from, from Drew Brees and the Saints? I mean, he was limited if he played at all in, in preseason. Um are you expecting same old, same old with Drew Brees and his his uh, new weapon with Brandon Cooks? We know that Drew Brees does not historically play better on the road compared to the Dome um, in New Orleans, but we're also going to a different Dome. Um, so I, I'm not going to hamper Drew Brees um, at all in this game. Atlanta's defense um, was putrid. They were 30th and 32nd ranked in both you know, passing and rushing defense across the board. I don't really see a lot of that changing. I think Drew Brees and, and company are just going to come out blazing and I, start start your Saints. I mean, we're looking at a game line of 51 and a half here. Um, even though it's in Atlanta, the Saints are still three point um, three point favorites here. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I I haven't been paying attention to the money line and you know where where the money is going, but I I have a feeling there's some money that's still going in Atlanta's direction right now because Atlanta. Is has an offense that appears to be clicking on all cylinders coming out of coming out of uh, preseason here. Stephen Jackson should be back and healthy. I don't think everybody's going to see Devonte Freeman here so early, especially. Uh, against the Saints, they do have a very uh, commendable defense in New Orleans, New Orleans these days, and Julio Jones looks to be healthy. So this is going to be a high flying affair. Uh, it's funny sometimes we say that and these end up low scoring games, but it, this literally is going to be a horse race. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, yeah, I, I think if you have fantasy players in either one, one of these teams in this game, you're starting them all. I mean, you're, you're starting Jimmy Graham, no questions. Um, you know, there are a lot of questions with the Falcons tight end. And, uh, of course, you're probably not starting Levine Tiloilo. Um, but I do like I do like Roddy White. I like Harry Douglas in a PPR league. And I, and I like Julio Jones um, definitely for this game. And I think it'll be a good gauge to, to see how those what you can expect from those guys going forward. I will also say generally when uh, we're dealing with rookies, and I'm speaking specifically of Brandon Cooks, we don't necessarily want to play him right away, want to see what his role is going to be in the offense, how they leverage him, are they manufacturing work for him. But this is a game where it, it's a little bit too high-flying, and I think they're going to get Brandon Cooks involved early and often in this game. If it was a little bit more of a difficult matchup, I'd say hold off. But if you were a team that drafted Brandon Cooks high for the most part, you're probably looking at Brandon Cooks to, at a minimum, you know, tread out in one of your flex spots, and I think you can trust him this week. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I think you shouldn't be sitting seeing Cooks this week, especially in PPR format. Um, we'll go Vikings and Rams. Uh, Rams without quarterback Sam Bradford. Um, oh, okay. And uh, and Vikings with Matt Castle starting. Uh, what, what are your expectations for the Vikings with Cordell Patterson? Um, you think we start to see uh, the Norv show with Adrian Peterson racking up those receptions? It's going to be difficult because St. Louis's defense is stout. And they're a force to be reckoned with, and their their line is like none other. So I think Adrian Peterson will still have a respectable day, more than likely still end up in the low RB1 tier. I do think we're going to be able to see what Norv plans on doing with him out of the passing game, out of the backfield. So I am looking forward to um, Adrian Peterson being used to the likes of Ryan Matthews in the past and further back, LaDainian Tomlinson. Um, I wrote another piece over on Rotoviz about Greg Jennings and Cordero Patterson and did exhaustive research in terms of how Norv Turner uses the the flanker versus the other receiver and I it's one of two things. Either Norv Turner is going to roll Cordero Patterson out as the flanker and feature that specific position more or he's going to transition Cordero Patterson to the other side of the field where you would traditionally have seen Vincent Jackson, Malcolm Floyd uh, backing him up, so on and so forth. But according to everything we've seen, according to the uh, depth charts right now, Greg Jennings is still listed as the X receiver. 
So it's going to take a little bit of creativity to get Cordero Patterson involved. And I do think, ironically, this is the game where we're probably going to see Cordero Patterson because you're going to have to get creative to to get past the St. Louis defense. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the usage of both Cordero Patterson and Greg Jennings and, and you know what we can expect for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think for me this this is a a game where I, I feel like I want to start Patterson in every league, but you know I haven't looked at their whole schedule, but I could easily see this as as a game where he doesn't have great st- stats, and then you can trade for him in in, in well, savvy dynasty owners are probably aren't going to trade him after one game, but if you have that that one owner in your league who panics, um, you know this might be the game to keep an eye on him and uh, and try to make a move. Shortly after this, this uh, for opening opening year. As far as the Rams are concerned, um, we we know it's going to be the Stacy show, for the most part. Um, are there any Rams receivers? I know you. I know you're a Kenny Britt guy. I know that. Um, but but what are you expecting from uh, from the Rams skill position players? The most interesting thing to me, Asher. I, I don't know if it's going to be the Zach Stacy show. It was last year, um, but week three is very telling in the preseason when that's the game where typically you're going to start all your guys. You're going to start just getting into the feel of things and making sure your offensive players are going through the motions. But it wasn't Zach Stacy out there in week three. It was Benny Cunningham. So it's going to be interesting to see this one play out. I know Zach Stacy for the most part, is going to get most of the work, but I don't see any reason, quite candidly, why St. Louis and Jeff Fisher would have to run Zach Stacy out there all the time when honestly Benny Cunningham can can do what Zach Stacy can do in that type of capacity. So I, I think it's still gonna be Zach Stacy's as the lead guy, but I don't think it's gonna be say seventy thirty. I'm I'm expecting um Benny Cunningham to come in at least to start 30% of the time and probably increases the workload uh, for the next couple of weeks. Man, I feel like I feel like every time we talk about the Rams, it's Groundhog's Day. There's always another running back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and, for, and we'll see what, how it plays out. I, I think it's at this point it's still Stacy's job. Um, and I, I don't think Cunningham can hold up uh, over the course of the whole season, but that's I, I haven't seen him play. Um, more than just this preseason. Uh, we'll, we'll move to the the marquee game, well, or one of them. You know what? What am I saying? They're all marquee games. This is week one. This is awesome. And uh, let's just talk about the next one. So Browns at Steelers. Hoyer starting. Uh, rebuilt Steelers defense. Um, you know the statistics. You know the points the Browns have put up the last six games at Pittsburgh against Pittsburgh. Are you expecting this to be a dominant? Um, showing on the Steelers' side and, and the Browns to continue to look like the mess they have in the preseason? Or are you seeing, you think that Ben Tate will have some value and some of the other, we'll kind of figure out which Browns receivers might have value? And, and what are you thinking about Jordan Cameron as well? Jordan Cameron is a bit of a wild card for me because it really is the catch 22. You can, you can sit here and say he is going to get additional attention because they have nobody to throw the ball to with the exception of Andrew Hawkins and Miles Austin how long that hamstring is going to last we really don't know but at the same time you can also say on the other side of the coin that Jordan Cameron is just going to boss hog and go lights out because to the same point there's nobody else to throw the ball to. So I really think somebody out there, including myself, should have done a little bit more uh, extensive research in terms of how players traditionally fare when they suddenly become the only guy in town. Um, I'm still erring on the side that Jordan Cameron is going to be force-fed the ball, and he's going to be force-fed the ball a lot. And through that volume, it's going to work out in his favor. I'm I'm not bought in on Brian Hoyer. I'm sorry. I I know he had a couple good games last year, um, but... I don't see that being repeatable. Uh, I still see Pittsburgh coming out on top on this one. We have seen Antonio Brown uh, basically do work against Joe Hayden. Uh, uh, Cleveland now has a second cornerback that is respectable, albeit unproven. So we'll we'll see how this all shakes out. Uh, But it's going to be a really low-scoring affair. I'm not expecting big games out of this one, but I'm certainly interested to see how both of these running games fare 
Yeah, I, I I disagree a little bit. I think the Steelers are going to put up points, and this this might just be because I love Marcus Wheaton. Um, but I, I can see Antonio Brown and Marcus Wheaton and, and a healthy Heath Miller um, really moving down the field easily with with Roethlisberger. Even though the the Browns defense has has been pretty good, uh, I don't think they can hold up to playing the whole game because their offense probably won't be able to do much. So basically, this game right now, the over-under is set at 41.5. So you're kind of getting the feeling that three-fourths of those points are coming from the Pittsburgh side, and Cleveland's going to be lucky to get in a score or two. I will probably be completely wrong, but that's what I'm going to say now, yes. What are you seeing in terms of Le'Veon Bell and LeGarrette Blunt, and what that split's going to shake out like? Uh, they were, You know, funny story, they were just talking about this this morning on uh, – ESPN Radio locally here, um, and and the consensus is is that you know they Blunt didn't sign for co-starter money. You know they brought him in for I think just a mil for one year, so or just under a mil. Um, so like there's really no expectation that he's gonna start. I think you know I don't even think it's gonna be fifty fifty at this point. I could I could maybe see seventy thirty. Uh, I like Legarrette Blunt. I think it's hilariously ironic that he was busted for smoking pot. Um, that's kind of just the way I see it shaking out this year, and then I guess we'll kind of figure out as those uh, misdemeanors kind of play out in court. We're going to see Dree Archer getting the first snap. Watch. Oh, I love I love Archer. I we're, like him. Quite and we're going to see him. I wouldn't put it past Mike Tomlin to sit Le'Veon Bell and the Garrett Blunt for a series to quote prove a point, even though he's the one who accidentally tried to trip that guy down the sideline. <laughs> I think that was Jacoby Jones, right? But I digress. I think it was, yeah. We, we do, we do uh, often. It, I'm, I'm joking for the most part. But, yeah, I, I still see this as Le'Veon Bell's uh, share of the workload. I do see Garrett Blunt more than capable to come in and take care of some work. Um, but I, I think the sudden slip in Le'Veon Bell's draft towards the last two weeks or so, was a little bit, uh, you know, it, it didn't really make any sense. We know the suspension isn't going to happen if it does happen until 2015. So much ado about nothing for now outside of, you know, how how many series Mike Tomlin is going to sit him. Well, as, as a dynasty owner, will you be watching Archer at all? Is he kind of on the radar at this point? Is he still in the waiver wire in most of your leagues or, you know, has somebody scooped him up? He's not on the waiver wire in any of my leagues. If he wasn't drafted by someone else, he was drafted by me. And if somehow he made it out of there, he was picked up by me. Um, I don't see Dree Archer as anything more than a role player, but you know, we, we saw they wanted to give somebody that role. Uh, and when they gave it to Chris Rainey, and unfortunately Chris Rainey kept himself from that role, so maybe Dree Archer can come in and fill that void and – I, I really don't know in the short term. I mean, he, he's really young, he's really green, he's really raw, but he's super fast and super agile. So I, I'm dying to at least get him in there and see whether they give him some slot work. Um, but I don't think they're going to come out and really do it week one. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree. Um, what are you doing, Asher, about the um, Cleveland backfield here it looks like terrence west has had a pretty rough camp rough preseason isaiah crowell came on like gangbusters here in week four at the same time you can say he came on against the third string team but ben tate has quietly gone under the radar and this could be his job probably as what do you think i I think i think yeah i think you hit the nail on the head i think it is his job at this point i think the only thing that's going to take him him off the field is you know a quick breather, or if he gets injured, which he's been prone to do. So I still like I do like Terrence West. Um, you know, Crowell made the roster. They they cut two or three guys over Crowell because of that last game. You know, and he really flashed, albeit against you know fourth, third, and fourth stringers. But um, I like Crowell as well, and you know I'd be just as happy if you know they don't resign Tate after this year, and or if he's injured. You know, I'm not happy if he's injured, but you know I'm a big Terrence West guy. So moving forward, if it was West and you know, Corolla, I would be happy with that. And and we've seen, you know, on the, on the other hand, we have seen teams miss as most recently as, as the Rams with, you know, Isaiah Peed. And these saying that they're an early round NFL draft pick doesn't doesn't necessarily guarantee they're going to get playing time. 
Good point. Yeah, I'm interested to see how long Ben Tate holds out. You know, it's interesting because he he had broken ribs. We talked about this maybe a month ago, Asher. So I think Ben Tate doesn't have the greatest track record, but they're sure going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball a lot. And I think he's going to have some success against Pittsburgh. So I, I'm, I'm starting Ben Tate if I have him on in any team. I'm, I'm not even thinking twice about putting him on a bench, that's for sure. So the the new new uh, remade Steelers defense doesn't scare you. It does. Um <laughs> it does. I I really like Pittsburgh. I think they're going to come out this year and surprise a, a lot of people and and more than likely be one of the favorites coming in of those teams not named New England. <laughs> yeah, I think Ryan Shazier alone scares me, let alone the rest of the <laughs> <laughs> That's all. It's the Ryan Shazier. It's Ryan Shazier and nobody else. It's him against the world. Yeah. No one, yeah. Uh, so Jags and Eagles. You know, um, it's it's it, Bortles is not starting. Henny's starting. Um, you know, we we know kind of know what Chip Kelly's offense might look like. Although it, you know, something tells me he's gonna have some new wrinkles. Um, we know he's gonna run the ball. You're not sitting LaShawn McCoy. Um, what are you doing with with the other skill positions on in Philadelphia? And then we'll talk a little bit about the Jags as well. Yeah, this over-under is coming in at 52.5, and Philadelphia is a 10.5-point favorite. So basically, Philadelphia is just going to go lights out here. I, I've been, I think people as a whole have been sleeping on Jacksonville and what they're m- making on that team for the long term, but they don't stand a chance coming up here in week one. It is going to be all about LaShawn McCoy. I really do want to see how Zach Ertz gets used, how many routes he runs. I want to see the opportunity that Jordan Matthews is going to get in this game. I do think that Riley Cooper is flying way too low under everybody's radar right now because I am not confident that Jeremy Macklin is going to stay healthy throughout the season so I think Riley Cooper and Jordan Matthews uh, are potentially some guys that are that are at a value right now but we'll see how this shakes out Uh, Jordan Matthews I I guess I would start him at a flex right now I'd hope you have better options Riley Cooper also a flex basically every single one of these wide receivers uh jeremy macklin i might actually push into the low wide receiver two range this this uh week because i think he'll have the best chance for some short-term success i just don't know how it'll shake out for the long term yeah and i, I think is the jags is there anyone on the jags team other than than toby gearhart you're starting no no not right now um I don't I don't see anything wrong with Mercedes Lewis. I think we saw signs of Mercedes Lewis getting involved. He was a little bit injured last year. He was also dealing with a new offense he had to learn. So I think Mercedes Lewis, who was on waiver wires everywhere on Dynasty teams this offseason, I think he's going to come in and he could put up respectable numbers in the same fashion that Martellus Bennett does and, and have a very similar role um, but be a little bit more involved. I am interested to see what Marcus Lee can do. I think he's going to be involved and be more than likely the receiver to own in the short term this year. Um, but again, as we get closer to week eight and week nine, um, I, I still think that pendulum sh- uh, shifts, excuse me, a little bit in the direction of Allen Robinson. Yeah, I, I guess I agree. I, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville hangs in this game. You know, Philadelphia doesn't ha- didn't have the best defense last year. Um, and if the Jacks have anything, they have a really good, they have a better than 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 average defense. Uh, and I could see that this turning out to be a stinker of a game. You know, everybody's expecting the Eagles to to run all over the Jags, and you know, I could see a a seventeen fourteen kind of game, and all of us fantasy owners are are weeping come the afternoon game. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll certainly feel that way. I do think that Philadelphia is just going to keep grinding them out and grinding them out and grinding them out and keep running the ball and keep snapping the ball. And But they're also going to run a lot of plays. So I do think they're, they're going to dominate the game, but I think you won't necessarily see that if you just happen to be going from room to room or grill to beer to fridge to TV, and, and you'll slowly see the score start to swing in Philadelphia's favor as they just slowly you know, put them to bed. <laughs> uh, and and one, what could it be one of the worst 
games to watch if you're stuck in these markets and you don't have DirecTV. Um, Raiders at the Jets. So so let's talk fantasy goodies. Um, Carr is starting for the Raiders. Geno Smith for the for the Jets. Um, any of these teams? Either of these teams have any fantasy players that excite you, both dynasty and for this week? Yes, Geno Smith is certainly a guy that I'm looking at. If I'm a streaming um, team where I'm looking at guys like Geno Smith and Ryan Tannehill, maybe I'm a rebuild team, I'm certainly giving Geno Smith a go here in this game. I think he's going to be more than fine against Oakland. Of course, he's probably going to get a couple picks, but I think he's going to offset that uh, with a couple touchdowns, another 40 yards on, on the ground as well. I think he's going to have a respectable game. He certainly showed that he can come on, albeit it was very uh, wishy-washy how he got his points last year, but he really looks like he's starting to get command of that offense. And everything we've heard out of camp so far is that he sounds like a new leader in the huddle as well. So I'm really excited for Geno Smith. I'm excited for Eric Decker uh, specifically for this week. I think he'll have a respectable game. And I also want to see how the Jets use Chris Johnson and Chris Ivory because Chris Ivory is another diamond in the rough. We saw him come out like Marshawn in the preseason and just straight beast mode it. And I think there's many, many, many more games like that to come if he can only stay healthy. Yeah, and I think that's the – I feel like we had – you know, we ask that every year. You know, is ever going to stay healthy, and, and, and he doesn't. Uh, so I hope he does this year. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm excited to see what the uh, what the Jets do with Chris Johnson. Uh, and on, on the Raiders side, I mean, wide receivers, anybody that you're interested in? I know James Jones came over. And then they've got a bunch of young guys. Denarius Moore has been the leading receiver, but he seems to kind of have regressed a little bit. And tight end is a question mark. And on the same, running back is kind of a quagmire. It's like, you know, they've created a Frankenstein monster out of running back pieces. And do you think they're all going to vulture each other in this game, or do you think anyone's going to be the lead back and kind of run with it? If there's ever a week, Asher, to start an Oakland wide receiver, this is it. The Jets cornerbacks just are not the cornerbacks we're used to seeing and and that's typically the the trademark for that defense that Rex Ryan runs so if there's ever a week to start uh an Oakland wide receiver it's going to be now David Garr is going to come in he's probably not going to call the plays but he's going to be given the opportunity to at least throw the ball I think they're going to have to throw the ball to get a win in this game and I think James Jones is going to come at a value I'm not going so far as saying Denarius Moore or Andre Holmes should be trusted right now Rod Streeter probably is more of an efficiency type of output and I don't see David Carr coming in right away and having that efficiency so I'm looking at James Jones as a pretty solid wide receiver three this week and I, I'd like to say David Osbury but it seems like is it Osbury is it Michael Rivera I'm not quite sure so I'm just going to watch that one play out and see if either one of those guys can come up as a dynasty sleeper yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. Do you think Latavius Murray gets any play this week, or are we looking at uh, McFadden and, and Jones Drew? Yeah, I think it's just the top two for now. I think they're going to slowly start to get Murray involved, whether it's uh, a knee or a gee or whatever it is that gets injured on both McFadden and, and MJD. Um, I almost said MGD. It really is football season, Asher. Um, but yeah, Latavius Murray is certainly a guy I'm, I'm watching out for really excited for what he can bring to this team in the future. Yeah. Um, so Bengals, Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens, uh, division matchup, uh, Andy Dalton with a big contract, you know, he and, and Joe Flacco are going to go at it for, you know, who, who's more elite shout out to, uh, to Richard Janvern and, and his, his eliteness. Um, <laughs> Nice. But I, I, I digress. Um, Bernard Pierce is starting, coming off the concussion. You've got um, Torrey Smith, Steve Smith, uh, Dennis Pitta's back. Do you, you kind of see the Ravens being able to keep up with the Bengals? I do. I do see the Ravens being able to keep up with the Bengals. In fact, Vegas has them as the favorite here. That's uh, pretty interesting. Cincinnati 
Uh, Baltimore, negative 1.5 Baltimore, 43 on the over-under here. According to footballlocks.com, not that I'm a betting man again, um, I'm I'm not too trustworthy of Bernard Pierce. I think Cincinnati's defense is stout, so maybe a low end RB two at the at the best here for Pierce. It looks like he passed all his concussion protocols and he's going to be good to go here. I am interested to see how much work, if any, Lorenzo Taliaferro gets. I wouldn't be. I don't think it would be far-fetched to say that Lorenzo Taliaferro is actually a better pass blocker than Bernard Pierce is, and I think that's been part of the the crutch against Pierce's game so far. So it's going to be tough, and I think everybody just looking to bank on Bernard Pierce in these first couple weeks probably temper expectations. Uh, well, he's got, what, four games, two games? What do they give Rice? I forget. Two, two games. And, uh, it definitely wasn't what it did. Yeah, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as far as the Bengals, um, you know, you know, you're not sitting AJ Green. Um, what are you expecting from the running backs? Is it going to be Geo and mixed in with some Jeremy Hill? And then also about for the tight ends, is it is Eifert going to get some play? Is it going to be uh, Jermaine Gresham? And and what are you kind of expecting from from Andy Dalton, the quarterback? In terms of the run game, I'm very interested to see what Hugh Jackson can do here. We we saw his stint, his very short stint as a head coach. It didn't go very well, but we've also seen the success that he's had as an offensive coordinator, and it certainly seems like he is a really good uh, coach in terms of playing to the strengths of the talent on the roster. So I think he's going to be able to do that very well. I think the 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 cut of Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis bodes very well for Jeremy Hill. And I think he he's a lock for 150 carries this year, which I do think caps Giovanni Bernard a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see that shake out. I I I thought Giovanni Bernard was probably a little bit too pricey this whole off season because Jeremy Hill was drafted, and now that the law firm was cut, clearly he's going to be used as well. Um, I do think that Andy Dalton still has plenty of reason to give us cause for concern i don't think the volume is going to be quite there yet at least week one because i don't think that's what hugh jackson necessarily wants to do and i don't think that's really going to be the best way to beat baltimore so i think i've got some tempered uh expectations aj green is still going to be aj green he's still going to get his share tyler eifert I don't think he was quite healthy, and he didn't really show us anything in the preseason. So I certainly like him as a breakout candidate. But, man, show us something. So I don't know what to think about that quite yet. But, obviously, I'm, I'm not cutting bait. If anything, I would be leveraging this as an opportunity to try to get Tyler Eifert because he was already uh, erroneously had his value knocked down just because he's a sophomore. Yeah, and, I, and kind of an example of that, I, I traded Fitzgerald for, for Eifert this offseason. Um, and Eifert's going to back up Jimmy Graham for me. Um, but, you know, I had quite a bevy of wide receivers, and, and at, at that point it, it, I feel like the upside of Eifert, you know, kind of made it about an even trade. Yeah, that sounds like a great trade to me, Asher. You know me, and if you can get – First-round value for Larry Fitzgerald, preferably in the 1.7 to 1.9 range. I'm okay with it. Eifert's probably like a 1.11, but whatever, potato for potato, and I, I think it was a great move. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, so just last thing with the Bengals, do you think that Sanu is going to put up the same numbers that we kind of were expecting from uh, Marvin Jones, or do you think it's, he's not quite the same player, so we have to temper our expectations? Yeah, I don't think Marvin Jones' touchdown success was sustainable to begin with. I, I do think a lot of his touchdowns came at a very high success rate with, with not necessarily a ton of volume to back it up. Sanu just isn't as good as Marvin Jones. I, I do think against some friendly matchups, you're going to be able to use him for the first eight weeks this year, but it, it's nothing to write home about. If you have Sanu on your team, that's great. Hopefully you can get him to cash in on a couple games, and hopefully you can sell him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I concur. Um, Bills and Bears, uh, we, we won't spend a lot of time talking about the Bears because I know you could spend the rest of the podcast. Um, <laughs> you're not sitting any of those skill position players with the exception of maybe Martellus Bennett, uh, you know, if he's your backup tight end. Um, we've talked extensively. Uh, on the Bears on this, on this podcast, even uh, you know two weeks ago with Liz, 
Loza, um, are you sitting anybody other than maybe Martellus Bennett? If you've got them, are you play? Are you all in on the Bears for for against the Bills? I'm I'm all in on the Bears every week. They're just the type of team under Mark Trustman. <laughs> you're you're going, and I'm not just being a homer there. You're going to start Alshon Jeffrey. You're going to start Brandon Marshall. It doesn't matter what the matchups are because they've both proven that they can beat any matchup that you've sent their way. Uh, Matt Forte, you know, you can't say you're you're starting Matt Forte every week. More than likely you are, but we've seen a team like Detroit Lions come in and shut him down, and he had maybe 17 carries for 36 yards. But again, he's still gave you 12 to 15 points because he also catches the ball out of the backfield so you know his worst game is still going to be an average game and hopefully get you by with performance dispersed throughout the rest of your roster so no I'm not sitting anybody in Chicago but boy this is sure a good game looking potentially for both Fred Jackson and CJ Spiller the Bears defense has looked pretty putrid Uh, During the preseason, they've looked lost. They haven't covered their assignments. They've just been torn apart everywhere. I will say there's no way in heck they're going to be able to be as bad as they were last year. They had too many off-season signing moves to at least try to move that needle a little bit towards the mediocrity level, so to speak. Uh, But I'm really excited for Fred Jackson and both C.J. Spiller as well. Yeah, I, th- I think um, from a dynasty perspective, I would much rather Sammy Watkins didn't play. Um, Agreed. But then again, but then again, I I, I kind of under the mindset that we're gonna have to he's you're gonna have to wait out EJ Manuel anyhow. So a- anything that can you know decrease the injury risk, so to speak, for the superstar type talent that you know we're expecting from Watkins. I would rather he doesn't he doesn't play this week, um, or for that matter, I, I would rather he didn't play the whole season. And then the Bills go out and dress, draft draft uh, Marcus Mariota, or <laughs> <laughs> one of the other quarterbacks coming out. Um, Until they do, EJ should fear the beard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, I you're not you're not starting Watkins. I don't think even if he does play, which it sounds like he's going to. Um, I just don't think you know what you can expect from him and. At this point, kind of like like uh, similar to Cooks, I, w- I would I would err on the well, unlike Cooks, I would err on the side of caution. I would sit Watkins this week. Yeah, and I think it's also a little bit deeper than just the offense and what we should expect or not expect. It also comes down to his rib injury because the last thing we want is Sammy Watkins to go out there and just injure, re-injure that rib. He ends up having to come out, and then they go, you know what? Maybe it's better if we just put you on the shelf for another week or two. So <laughs> I I think Sammy Watkins will go out there. Maybe he's going to be a little bit more of a decoy. Uh, I'm excited for Mike Williams. In redraft, you can get him for free, and I think he's the touchdown guy right now. He's the guy that has the most chance in the short term to at least give you some success out of that Buffalo passing game. So it's not like I'm going to go out of my way to put Mike Williams in the lineup, but this is a week where he can actually get you a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree there. You think you see anything from the, the Buffalo tight ends this week and then going forward for dynasty. I know kind of Chris Gregg has been like a, you know, a really, really deep sleeper. He's got the athletic ability, or is this the Scott Chandler show, and we're going to see him, you know, play his fantasy zombie role, so to speak. The Scott Chandler line. Yeah, he's going to be doing his Scott Chandler thing, not impressing everybody everywhere, and still not allowing us to see what Chris Craig can or cannot do. Um, You know, I like his athletic profile. We just haven't seen it. So I was, I've been trying to hang on to Chris Craig in a lot of leagues, hoping something sticks or something happens. But it doesn't look like Scott Chandler is going away, unfortunately, anytime soon. And unfortunately, Chris Craig still hasn't managed to stay on any of my rosters. Fair enough. Uh, Redskins at Texans. Um, is this a redemption game for that Texans defense that was woefully bad last year? Um and what are you expecting from the skills guys? Fitzpatrick is starting at QB. Um, you know, he's kind of a gunslinger. Good things for Andre Johnson. And, you know, second-year receiver DeAndre Hopkins. What do you make of the running back situation? Um, let's talk Texans first, and then we'll, we'll jump over to the, the, uh, the Washington football team. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> the, the Houston football team is... <laughs> Going to start out on the right foot. 
I think it's a nice week for all of your Houston starters. I think Arian Foster is going to hit the ground running. Hopefully he's able to stay running after this week as well. I do think it's going to be a very high-volume game for Andre Johnson. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his fair share as well. I'm not going to call DeAndre Hopkins a breakout week one because I still think the volume is going to go in favor of Andre. Uh, Again, you're looking at Hopkins as a wide receiver three with potential wide receiver two upside, depending upon whether or not he gets that red zone look. What I'm extremely interested to see is how Bill O'Brien leverages these tight ends and how many pass routes are we going to see from Garrett Graham? What do we see from C.J. Fedorowicz? And does Ryan Griffin actually get on the field? I don't know what to think. It sounds to me right now like C.J. Fedorowicz is going to be inside, Garrett Graham is going to be outside, and Garrett Graham is going to be that value dynasty play in PPR leagues that's going to help you get by every single week. Um, But I think the guy with probably the most talent athletically on that team is Ryan Griffin, but uh, apparently C.J. Fedorowicz beat him out, and Ryan Griffin wasn't able to get on as the Joker tight end, so it's interesting to see this, but I I really am interested to see how they use those tight ends. What do you make of the the trade this week for uh, on on the the Texan side? Do you think Mallett obviously jumped Savage, and is that, that backup tight end? Do you think there's any point in time that the Texans plan dynasty has changed in that mallet is going to be groomed as the the starter in houston or do you still think it's kind of savage's job to to work towards yeah i think as of right now all they're doing is at least doing something you know sometimes people in in the business world will just do things to say that they're doing things not necessarily efficiently or effectively but oh look back and look at my weekly agenda i can bullet out all the great things that i did this week well what value did those great things add? This is bucketed exactly into that category. So they're throwing more spaghetti on the wall. Ryan Mallett, they were able to get for a six-round pick. Had New England sold him a year or even two years ago, they would have gotten as high as maybe even a second-round pick for him, but they didn't. They didn't. Bill Belichick, of all people, didn't play his cards right. Now they were able to just kind of dish him out on somebody else. I think it speaks a little bit more in terms of Tom Savage just being raw. Case Keenum just not being good probably tom savage isn't that good sorry asher but we'll find out there well, and right the fourth round pick i'm not too i'm not holding my breath i've got him in a couple <laughs> of leagues um <laughs> so moving moving to the washington side um rg3 it's are you starting him if you've got him i mean he's looked just downright bad um, but you know he's going to get some rushing yards. He's got offensive weapons. You know I like the receiving core. I like the tight end. You know I'm not an Alfred Morris guy, but he is you know by sheer volume alone. Um, you know he's going to get carries. And then lastly, and I kind of feel this way, but I want to see your take on it. Do you, do you see Roy Hallou as kind of a sneaky PPR play this week? Not this week, but I really like where your head's at, Asher. I really like Roy Hallou. Anytime Washington's going to come out and not be a favorite, because I, while they said they're going to get Alfred Morris a little bit more involved in the passing game, and everybody liked to poo-poo on Roy Hallou, let's face it, they, they cut Lake Seastrunk, they cut Chris Thompson. Roy Hallou is the guy, and Roy Hallou has been very undervalued ever since he entered the league. He is clearly the best passing down back on that team. So once the game script goes away from Alfred Morris, I'm going to be looking at Roy Hallou as a potential PPR uh, flex-type option. But I think the game is going to be a little bit closer right now, and according to the line, uh, Texans are favored by three. So I don't think we're going to see a whole ton of work for Helu right now. I'm starting RG3, and I'm I'm more than confident in RG3 starting week one. All, again, all you got to do is distance yourself from real football and fantasy football, and RG3 is going to figure out how to how to walk away with 18 to 20 fantasy points. I just hope he actually walks away from this game from J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney. We'll see what that pressure looks like. So if you're watching that game, you're probably going to fear for RG3's life a little bit, but he'll still get the points on the board. Yeah, I, I guess between the two receivers, Garcon and, and Jackson, which are, do you have more faith in for this week? I mean, do you, I kind of feel like Jackson's going to have his chances. He's going to get some deep balls. He's you know he's going to have opportunities to play calls to break open. 
the game, so to speak. Um, but Garcon is just so efficient, and he's he, you know he's so consistent. Um, which way are you leaning on if you've got you know the option to start one of those guys? Yeah, for me, I think it's Deshaun Jackson this week. I do think Pierre Garcon had a lot of volume-based fantasy production last year, and I do think that's going to taper down a little bit. It's not like I'm down on Pierre Garcon. Uh, well, I guess I'm down on him versus what he did last year. I do think that it's going to be the type of game that's going to lean into Sean Jackson's favor for, uh, you know, Deshaun getting over the top of Jonathan Joseph for something deep, and and that's you know going to be that type of game. Um, maybe Pierre Garcon gets the touchdown, um, but I, I'm not too excited. You're still rolling him out there, um, but I just for whatever reason, and and maybe this goes back to that mystical sense that you kind of wake up in the morning with every Sunday, Asher. Um, but I think this is going to be a, a good showing for Deshaun Jackson owners week one. Yeah, that that is the mystical sense I am getting as well. Um, but I do love Pierre Garcon, and I am not down on him this uh, game or this year. Um, we'll move to Titans at Ch- at Kansas City. Um, you know, I think that this could be, a, uh, and this is just my own opinion, but I think this could be a high-scoring game. Um, you know, he, Tennessee feels like they're finally clicking. You know, if Locker's healthy, they have one of the best offensive lines. You know, um, I just feel like, both these teams can put up points. I don't see the Titans being able to shut down Jamal Charles. Um, and other than Jamal Charles, there's really nobody else I want on the Kansas City team. Maybe, maybe Travis Kelsey, because I do really like what I saw in the preseason, and if they can get him on the field. Um, those are the two primary weapons. I don't want anything to do with Alex Smith, and the receiving core in, in Kansas City is a mess. Um, I like Hunter. I like Kendall Wright. I like Delaney Walker, I like Thompson, I like Sankey, and to an extent I like Sean Green for the volume he's going to get um, if he does start. What I kind of touched base on a little bit of everything. What, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I don't have a good read on this game. I uh, It looks like Kansas City's coming out as the favorite. Respectable line at 43.5 here. I, I think this is going to be Kansas City's game. I, I To your point, I like the upside of uh, the offensive side of the ball in Tennessee, but I do think that Locker hasn't necessarily been the most efficient. So he, he's good for fantasy teams, but not necessarily as good for the Tennessee Titans. So maybe he grew a little bit as he got to hold the clipboard due to injury last year. I don't think I'm going to – be touting Kendall Wright as much as last year because I think that had much to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick and his style of playing quarterback. I do like, on the other side of the field, Travis Kelsey this week. I think this is going to be Travis Kelsey hitting the ground running and earning that spot because Anthony Fasano is just simply a a well-rounded tight end. Yes, he can play good football and catch the ball, But he's a blocker. Get Kelsey out there. Dwayne Bowe is suspended. Donnie Avery sucks. Sorry, Donnie Avery. And this is going to be the type of game where Jamal Charles cannot do everything all the time. And the next best guy, the next man up is Kelsey. Uh, I, I agree. You know, I mean, there will be a few touches for Kelsey, but uh, I, I think it's the Jamal Charles show, and it's not even close. <laughs> No uh, Cyrus uh, Gray in the making, huh? No, I, I think not. <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. Uh, <laughs> um, I know I'm flipping back and forth, but what's your take on Justin Hunter for this week? Uh, I like Hunter. Uh, I think there are question marks on the Chiefs' de- defense. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how well they defend against him, especially as the game goes on. Um, I, you know, it, It's not going to take much for Hunter to break along you know, they either break a bubble screen or break a, you know, a go route and, you know, to get you 15, 16, 17, 20 points, it's not going to take much more than one or two plays, uh, especially in a PPR because, you know, he's going to get targeted. I like Hunter, and I'm not as low on Kendall Wright as you are. Um, I think talent is there. Um, I think they can both be productive in that offense. And interesting to see how it shapes up in week one. Um, yeah, Patriots... He's... Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, Kendall Wright really did score a lot more touchdowns in college than he has in the NFL, and I think that also it, it it's 
his the deck has been stacked against him is what I'm trying to say. So I'm not extremely low on Kendall Wright, and I think Jake Locker's upside could actually help out Kendall Wright as more. Um, so it'll be interesting to shake it out. Uh, looks like we're going to go into lightning round, Asher, for these next uh, four games here. Well, that works. That's fine with me. Uh, Patriots at Dolphins. Uh, Miami guy here, and I'm really interested to see what the, happens with the the new offense. It looked pretty good in the preseason with the first teamers. Um, interesting to see how that line gels. I would imagine the Patriots are favored. If I was a betting man, would I be correct? They are favored by five jelly beans, Asher. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. The Dolphins always play the Patriots tough. You know, these division games are always difficult, no matter how much more skilled the other position, the other team is. Uh, I like. I like Clay. I like the Dolphins receivers, and, and I, like, I like Tannehill. But you're probably not. He's probably your QB two, you know, in most leagues. Um, and then on the Patriots side, you know, I, there are still question marks at this point about Rob Gronkowski. Correct? He says he's playing. Belichick says he's not sure. Do we did we get any confirmation today? The only confirmation we got today is that Bill Belichick smacked Gronkowski upside the head with his own Gronk smash. We'll call it the Belichick bash. And he said, look, what are you doing talking to the media and telling them you're feeling great about playing week one, dummy? That's not Bill Belichick's style, so you're not supposed to do that. So Bill Belichick is going to simply come out and say, oh, we're not too sure about Gronkowski. Let me put a little Q next to his name here on the injury report. Maybe that'll still keep Miami guessing hogwash we all know Gronk is playing he wouldn't have come out that excitedly and said he's coming out I don't think he's going to be 100% nobody is 100% that quickly from removed from an ACL tear so whatever 70% Gronkowski maybe he gets 30 snaps maybe he gets two touchdowns he's in your game what I am excited about though Asher our boy Lamar Miller he got the start Yeah. Are you crying? It sounds like you're I crying. Think, yeah, I, I, there's a little tear rolling down my eye because Lamar Miller's got the shot. Does he keep it, Asher? Does he keep it past this week? What? What's... I don't know. The, <laughs> the, the rumblings from from down south are that no, you know that you know that the Miami Dolphins. I was been talking to some friends in Miami today, um, and they've all said like you know Miami did everything they possibly could to keep Moreno off the field, and, you know, when he got in there, he still looked better than Miller. So we'll see. It remains to be seen. They even force-fed him cheeseburgers, Asher. They force-fed him 53 cheeseburgers to put 20 pounds on him, and he still overcame that adversity to get back out. Everybody hates Moreno, and I don't get it. So I like Lamar Miller. (laughs) I just think if it's going to be any week, it better be this week because otherwise, you know, that ship will sail. Um, Especially with Damian Williams looking good and waiting in the wings there. That is true. That is true. I do like, uh, you know what I think is funny, and I, I think it would be great if it came out in a memoir by Belichick that he secretly had all of the Patriots players on his fantasy teams, and just to keep his opponents guessing, he you know, made them all questionable throughout the, the season. I don't know. I think Maybe I think too much. but I, I, I don't think that. Belichick plays fantasy. You know what I think, Asher? I think he's that guy that shows up to every mock draft and drafts Steven Guskowski in week one and leaves the room. That's Belichick. <laughs> You may be right. Agree or disagree. <laughs> uh, Panthers at Bucks division game. It seems like we got a, pretty much a lot of division games this week. Um, Cam Newton's dinged up. You know they signed Jeremy Hill to the practice squad. Kelvin Benjamin's looked good. He had a little bit of injury this week. Um, and then the Bucks are kind of a question mark at this point. We know what Josh McCown did. You kind of saw it firsthand um, last year in Chicago. Um, but new team. Different offensive scheme. Um, what are your expectations this game as far as fantasy wise? Um, you mentioned Jeremy Hill. I know you meant Stephen Hill. Um, it's okay. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I forgive me. you because Stephen Hill. Um, you know. No, that's an egregious error. I, 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 there. How dare you, sir? Different. 
<laughs> in talent and skill. I want nothing to do with Stephen Hill. Please, please. Those, those are some fighting that. words. He's... <laughs> Twitter, Twitter, Twitter's going to go crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, Stephen Hill. The, the only thing I can say about Stephen Hill is at least he signed on somewhere. At least he got on somebody's practice squad. Clearly, New York doesn't have m- much talent coaching to do at the wide receiver position i don't know i do know that ricky prohl is a pretty good wide receiver coach i think it was daddy's daycare uh from dynasty league football at daddy's daycare that was talking about ricky prohl and it, you know if there's anywhere that stephen hill can become an actual wide receiver it's going to be in carolina under that wide receivers coach so we'll see yes i am that absolute loser that still has stephen hill on my dynasty teams and i have not cut bait because I am hopeless. But you regarding are, you're like a hopeless romantic with these receivers, Kenny Britt, Hill. I mean, who else? Who else are you rostering? Do you have a Denario Alexander somewhere out there? I think I have Jerron oh, Kreider on a couple teams still, and and, and Greg Childs <laughs> yeah. too. I think you you seem to have a hoarding issue with uh with wayward wide receivers. You know what? That actually makes sense. My daughter is a pack rat and won't let me throw old stuff out. And throw huh. her old toys out or something she's not even using. It could be a broken toy, but she refuses adamantly to let me throw it out. So I guess <laughs> she gets that from me. Yeah. But I digress. Um, I'm excited about Calvin Benjamin. Uh, I think this is going to be a decent week for him, but not a great week. I think everyone is sleeping on the Tampa Bay defense. People have them coming out bad this year. And Nobody knows how to leverage a system like Lovey does, and they have more than enough talent in Tampa Bay to make it work. So I like Tampa Bay for this week and next week as as a a team defense that you're looking to stream and potentially hang on to long term because we saw what Lovey did in terms of high turnover ratios in Chicago. Um, I don't know what to think of the running back. Uh, situation in Carolina right now. I guess it starts with D'Angelo Williams. Here we go with John Stewart talk. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out in Tampa. Dougie Fresh, Doug Martin is back. I've been poo pooing on Doug Martin all off season, Asher, but all of the cards have leaned the other way. So he's going to get every opportunity to shine. It's not going to happen. This week, uh, you know, I think he'll do respectable, but Carolina's defense in front seven is even more respectable. But I am interested to see what Tampa Bay's defense, I'm sorry, receivers can do because if there's any weakness in Carolina, it's in their secondary. And it's going to be pretty difficult to try to keep those beasts down and tame because they're both towering over everyone at 6'4, 6'5, and 6'6, respectively. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up tonight. Um, and then, of course, you know, if you need questions on those last four games we didn't touch on, you know, you can find Jeremy and I both on Twitter. Be more than happy to answer game day questions. Jeremy, where can people find you? You know what? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me in front of my computer and my TV. And I'm not going anywhere, Asher. This is the greatest season of all. And football is back. So hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Fantasy Gumshoe. He is at Real ABC. And real quick, Asher, can we uh, let the cat out of the bag uh, about our uh, little schedule coming up here for a weekly article standpoint? Okay with you? Yeah, I think at this point, yeah, more more than okay. All right, sounds like a plan. So what we're going to do... On Tuesdays, Neil Donahue is going to be coming out with the Scrap Heap Deep Dynasty. Asher is going to be doing uh, another series around whether or not we should believe the hype and believe uh, the performance of some of these guys from the weekend and whether or not we should be targeting them on Dynasty. We're also going to have some risers and fallers on a biweekly basis on Wednesdays from our newest writer, Justin Howell. Really great talent. Everyone should be following him as well. Eric Harrison, FF Primetime, is going to be doing a film study every Thursday for us. And then our our brother from overseas, Luke O'Neill, 
Ace Luke is going to be doing some advice and mailbag. And then at the beginning of every month, we're going to be coming out with our updated um, top 50 QB and top 50 tight end and top 80 running backs and wide receivers. And then capping it off at the end of the week with the top 200 on a monthly basis as well. And this in addition to anything and everything else that we're going to be writing on an ad hoc basis. So stay close, stay tuned to fakepigskin.com because we're going to be here for you all year round. So with that, Asher, anything else? I don't think so. I think you wrapped things up very nicely. Well, we do this because we love it, Asher. And hopefully your your mystical feelings that you wake up with every Sunday morning, Asher, hopefully those are going to give you some success on your dynasty teams this week. We'll find out we'll find out next week. I'll uh, I'll divulge. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week.